Today we're going to talk about greater things. Say that when we say greater things. There's one thing I've learned in my life that anytime God moves me from one place to another place, he never causes me to decrease. God has always increased me. Are you following me? Okay. Now, you, you, knowing where we're at, Cheryl and I and my family, we just sold our company. And I looked at that as one of my great resources. Okay. Because it was a possibility of being a millionaire later on. I mean, it just, there was things that could have happened there. But we felt like God said to sell that and, and, and go full time into the ministry. And I go, whoo. <laughs> okay. Lord. <laughs> You've always caused me to increase. What's going on? I mean, Lord, what about the greater things? He said, don't worry about that. He said to me, did you think you ever were going to have to stop trusting me? He said, you just need to get ready. You're going to be trying to trust me the rest of your life. So God's always caused me to go on to greater things because you see, when you obey God, he blesses you. This is simple truth. You obey God in your tithes and offerings. You got more money than you got bills at the end of the month. Right? He's calling us to greater things. When I wrestle with my kids at the house, when we do things, me and Ethan work in the barn, I'm constantly pushing him to greater things. Son, I want you to greater things. And I'm not talking about things. Are you with me? I, I want you to go into greater things, son. I don't want you to be satisfied with what your daddy's doing. I want you to go further. You with me? If you're going to preach the gospel, I want you to do better. I want you to to go greater. You with me? Greater things. Ephesians 4.1 says that I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. This is Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus. And he says, I urge you, Paul is begging, Paul, the apostle Paul is begging the church of Ephesus. I want you to live a life that is worthy of the calling that God has for your life. Please. Come on, just please. Live a life that is worthy of the calling that you have received. Isn't it funny how we can get beat up and beat down so easy, huh? Right? I mean, listen, you're the greatest creature on the planet. There's more power in you than any weapon the United States owns. But why is it so easy to forget that? Why is it so easy to squelch back down and go, oh, oh. Why is it so easy? You get a cold and all of a sudden God doesn't love you anymore. Right? You stub your toe and I've blown it. I'm going to hell. Because you let something slip. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. You got to know that God didn't put you here just to suck air. Come on. You got, you got at best 80 years to get it right and get it going. Amen. Are you saved? Yeah, you saved. But what about your calling? 
Some of you got saved and got satisfied. God said, no, 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 no. I didn't save you to be satisfied. I saved you to give your life abundant. And to have that life abundant, you got to get past yourself. You got to live beyond yourself. And then you got to know that I want you to go on to greater things. I want you to have a greater ministry. I want you to reach a greater amount of people. I want your, in your, your sphere of influence to be greater than it is now. Right? And the funny thing about God is that he'll take a nobody. He'll take a nobody and use him and increase his sphere of influence. So that his life preaches the gospel to a greater amount of people. Right? Say this when we say God loves nobodies. Ephesians 3, 20 to 21 says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is, work, that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So he's saying, now, now to him who is to do, who is able to do more, immeasurably more. In other words, you can't measure what God can do. You can measure what man can do, right? Who's the guy that invented Apple? What's his name? Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. He did incredible things for our generation, right? But it's measurable. Right? The God you serve is immeasurable. In other words, you can't put a measuring stick next to him and think that you're going to figure him out. Because the next time you try that, he's going he's to juke you. You're going to be thinking he's going left and he's going right. He's immeasurable. And he wants glory in the church. Watch this now. Did you ever catch this? To him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. God wants to get glory in your life. From your life. Because of your life. Come on, some of you got to believe that. He wants to receive glory because of who you are. He wants to receive glory because you, you believe in a greater ministry. That he's taking you on to greater things. He wants to receive glory from your life because you live beyond yourself. It's not about your problems and your pity parties anymore. It's about the kingdom of God and we got to get busy. We got to do something. We got to build this kingdom so we can get the heck out of here. And go on to greater things. My fear is that too many of us get satisfied living in an ordinary life. Isn't it easy to do? I mean, let, let's just, let me just be honest with you this morning. I, 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 y'all know me. I'm usually going to do that anyway. I'm constantly finding myself looking for a comfortable place. You with me? I think, man, you know what? If I get this done and I get this settled, then boom, baby. Sit back. Max, relax. I mean, it's like, I'm just going to coast this thing out till Jesus returns, right? It's just me and my pigs and my chickens and my family, not in that specific order. We're just going to ride this thing out, okay? Can I just be honest with you? 
That's something that I've constantly got to crucify in my life is that I want to find this place where I can just hit the coast. You with me? I just want to ride it out. No more pressure. Hey, woo. Hey, we good. Praise God. Can I tell you that doesn't exist? Because every single time I think I get there, God goes, well, welcome. About time you got here. Now let's go on to the next one. I don't get a half time. I mean, I don't get nothing. But if, I, if I'm really honest with myself, I got to say that ordinary is boring. Right? I mean, a lot of people don't come to church anymore because church is so predictable. And boring. Really? I mean, I wish I could just leave and then come back to our church and see what it was like. It'd be a great teaching lesson for me. Because I say, okay, is this a church that I'm a, is exciting? Is this a church that's adventurous? Is this a church that's going somewhere? Are they moving and shaking and doing some things for the kingdom of God? I tell you this much, no, no punch against them, but I wouldn't go back to the church I was raised in. That's why I left. There was no life. It was predictable. We knew the verses and the hymns that they were going to sing ahead of time. If it was amazing grace, you did the first, third, and fourth verse. You could bank on it, baby. It was going to happen. We'd almost start, start bidding, bidding, betting in the back seat of the church saying, okay, I guarantee you, brother Adam's going to do this song and he's going to do these verses. I got, I got 50 cent. As kids, it's predictable, right? God's never called us to be predictable, to be ordinary, to be satisfied with that. Now, does he say be content? Absolutely. Be content with whatever stage you're at right now. You know how you can stay content is when you know that God's plan for you is greater things. It's greater things. So you're at this stage right now and God's growing you. Some of you are going through hell right now. Don't run. Stay there and let God grow you up because he's going to bring you to greater things. You may need to go through this so that you can grow through this so that you can go on to other things. Right? God never intended for us to live an ordinary life. So let me show you some legacy stoppers, some things that might stop your legacy. Number one, a wrong view of yourself. Let's be honest. How many of you have a wrong view of yourself? The rest of you are lying. We need to back up to worship. Sumer, get the team back up. Let's go. I'm going to call them up again, though. Some of you hide it behind this word called humility. You think, oh, I'm just being humble. When in reality, you're beat down, you're broken, and you got a low self-esteem. You don't know who you are in Christ, and you're trying to disguise it as being humble. Listen, God loves humble people, truly humble people. He doesn't love to see his children with no self-esteem, not knowing who they are, not knowing who they belong to, no pep in their step. Oh, I'm just being humble. 
Sometimes I want to go, no, you're not. You're hiding. When in reality, you're broken. You're hurting. You don't even know if you're saved. You ever question that? Man, am I even saved? Does God even love me? A a wrong view of yourself. If anybody has the right to teach this, it's me. I was a C student at best. You might not believe this, but I was a very shy, bashful boy. I was easily intimidated. I blame it on the two women that raised me. My daddy shagged tail whenever I was a kid and my grandmother and my mama raised me. And I blamed it on them. Now, they were tough women, tougher than most men I know. But Cheryl, Cheryl will confess to that. She met my mom for the first time. And the first words out of my mom's mouth was, you better not hurt my son. Get you some of that. I couldn't get a date in high school if I paid for it. But I've got the right to say I had a low self, a low, a low view of self. I mean, I was intimidated easily. But God put me in places where I had to rise up. I either had to rise up or fall down. And can I tell you, sometimes I fell down. But thank God, sometimes I rose up. It's funny, but God will use a football coach to man you up sometimes. Thank God for football coaches. First Peter 2 9 says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal peace priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people. And if you don't feel special today, you got to know that God sees you as special. You are special. And if you open up your hands, he'll pour out on you something that you can't even contain. He's, you're special. He loves you. You don't have to be addicted anymore. You're special. You're his favorite. Sometimes I got to look in the mirror. This may seem a little foolish, but sometimes I got to look in the mirror and go, I'm your favorite. I'm God's favorite. He loves me more than he loves anybody else. Right? I guess so. Sometimes it takes a couple times. No, seriously, look at me, Jamie. No, I'm just. (laughs) His own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, if you wasn't special, he'd have never called you out of darkness. You know what's special about you is that you once lived in darkness and now you live in light. You once were a son of Satan and now you're a son of God. Come on. Once you were doing everything in your power to be ruthless, toothless, and fruitless. And now you're being fruitful. And you're special. And the world sees something different about you. And people get jealous because you got it going on. And the thing you got going on is Jesus in your life. It ain't about you and what you wear. It's about who's inside of you. You can shop at Target and still have it going on, baby. Bust up in a Goodwill and got it going on. 
No shame in your game. Still got a pep in your step. You're still walking and strutting. Why? Because you know who you belong to and it's not about what you got. It's about who you got and who got you. We got to get past that. Come on. We got to get past this thing of keep on falling down and, and humbling ourselves and surrendering to all these stupid little things that come around us and try to rise up against us. God said he never said to bow down to anything else, did he? Well, then why is it every time something breaks loose in your life, you bow down to it? You know what I mean by bow down? You stop pursuing Christ. Your relationship comes to a screeching halt when something bad happens to you. And the whole time God's going, what in the heck are you stopping for? Come on, you don't stop for that. You don't bow down to that. Are you with me? That's why when the apostles and the disciples were thrown into prison and they were chained up and contorted in all kind of ways in this, this dungeon. This is how they chained them. They started singing hymns and worship songs right till the foundation shook. They didn't stop pursuing Christ. And when, when they got out of jail, what they do? They went back to preaching. They never stopped. God. When he saved you, he didn't give you an emergency break. I believe all we got is a gas pedal, baby. No, we don't need brakes. Because we're going forward. You ever drive something without brakes? It's kind of scary, isn't it? Changed the brakes on my wife's car yesterday. Dwight came and hooked me up. That brother's a genius with brakes. Thank God, because I'm not. But we had to go test the brakes. You know, back in the day, I'd have just jumped on the street and then tried to hit the brakes. Right? <laughs> I came out the parking lot and I was all the way down the driveway until I got on the street. Okay, they work. <clears throat> so one legacy stopper is that you've got a wrong view of yourself. The second one is, is that you've got a wrong view of people. People irritate you. Right? Come on, there's a few folk that irritate you. Let's just be a little honest this morning. <clears throat> Come on, three of you are honest. That's all right, we're going to get breakthrough today. They're not a person to be loved. They're a person to be avoided. Right? Because we avoid people that irritate us. I mean, nobody just goes hang out in a, in a sticker bush, right? Right? I mean, when's the last time you said, man, where's a sticker bush? I need to hang out. Nobody does that. Why? Because the junk hurts. It irritates you. You don't go sit in an ant pile. And we treat people the same way. Why is that? It's because we got a wrong view of people. When the whole time we need to be going, God, help me to see this irritating person like you see them, Lord. That may be how it starts. Lord, help me to tolerate this brother with bad breath. And he loves to get in your space and talk close to you. Either help me to tolerate him or give me a pack of Tic Tacs or something. But people irritate us and we get a wrong view. When the whole time God's saying, listen, you're my agent. You're my ambassador to reach that person. You're my tool. I want to use you to touch that person. You tired of them being irritated? Then get after them with some Holy Ghost. Speak some truth and love to them. Love on them. 
He didn't call you to go say, hey, you got to quit doing that. Oh, you got to quit doing that. That irritates me. Stop that. Well, before too long, Nate, you're irritating them. They didn't want to hang out with you. He's called you to love them, to serve them. Where? Right where they are. Right when they are. Wrong view of people. Matthew 9.36 says, when, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on, the, on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Wow. You know, it's funny. Some of us have to go on a mission trip to fall in love with people again. You got to go to a, a third world country, see somebody living in a tin shack with dirt floors before you actually get a little compassion in you for other people. Well, listen, I want you to go on a mission trip this week. I don't want you to leave your house. Your job or your neighborhood. I want you to go on a mission trip. And I want you to see people like Jesus just said that he saw those people as sheep without a shepherd. Stop letting their problems determine how you see them and let the living God determine how you see them. Come on. That's what he's called us to do. Because you know what? Somebody saw you like that. What you think you wasn't irritating? Huh? <laughs> you got saved, got sanctified, God did some work in your life, and all of a sudden you can't touch nobody? You can't hang out with somebody because they irritate you? What happened to you? Thank God somebody had a little irritation proof on them and went and, and, and met you where you were. <clears throat> Number three, you may have a wrong view of God. Woo. Man, that's a good one, Pastor. We forget that we're serving the all-powerful, all-knowing God. Jeremiah thirty-two seventeen says it. He says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. I want you to join God and live a life beyond yourself. I want you to go on to greater things when you join up with God and you know that who he is, is all you need. And you just go somewhere with him. You say, Lord, I don't know where we're going, but I'm with you. And just jump up in his car and say, hey, let's go. Later on, you might want to say, hey, where are we going? Here's our theme verse for today. John 14, 12 says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. <clears throat> Jesus speaking. He says, he will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Huh? Jesus said that I'm going to do greater things than him? Oh, come on now. That, that, that's not true. Come on, pastor. I can't raise nobody from the dead. I can't knock leprosy off of somebody. I can't heal the sick. I can't cast out demons. I'm not the preacher. Let me remind you what Jesus said. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have done. So when you read the gospels, whatever you read Jesus doing is the same thing you can be doing. Come on. And then he goes beyond and he says, and you will do even greater things. But what do we do instead? We work hard at our jobs. We buy the things we want, right? And we tip God every chance we get. 
I've learned that when you don't like where you are, whether it be a job or a relationship or something, when you don't like where you are, you need to be Jesus in that situation. And when you're done being Jesus in that situation, he's just going to move you on to some other place. Amen. I had a job one time working in kinder, helping build Highway 165 going through kinder. I had one of the worst bosses I've ever had. The guy would buy me a cheeseburger just so I would stay on the machine and run it. They pushed so hard on that one job. We had 24 accidents on that job. One guy fell off the bridge. They push, 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 constantly pushing, 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 pushing. And I got tired. I jumped on a machine, started running it one morning, and he's going to come tell me what to do. And he's bad about that. I jumped off the machine. I said, dude, I'm done. I'm out of here. Got in my car and I left. Quit my job. Boom. Done. Went to, went to supper with my wife that night and we're sitting there talking. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, you ain't done. You need to go back and get that job because I ain't finished. I, right? I stopped you in the middle of conversation. I said, God just told me to go back and get my job back. She was like, she's probably like, Because <laughs> we, we was eating supper on money. We probably needed to stretch out. <clears throat> I went back the next day. I went back. I called him up. I said, hey, I'm going to come see you in the morning. He said, okay. I walked into his office the next morning. I said, hey. I want my job back. And I wish he would have went, oh, well, praise God. You heard God. You know what he said to me? Oh, you needed the money, huh? No. God told me to come back. Huh? Yeah. I couldn't lie. If he could say something stupid, I could too. God told me to come back. And he told me not to leave till the, till the job was done. And you know what happened? The day I got my next job was the day that they opened the bridge and the road was open. The very same day. You seeing this? God wants you to be his ambassador, his representative in the place that you are right now. If you don't like it, so what? Start preaching harder. Start living harder. Start loving harder. Start doing something different. Amen. Amen? Change the environment around you. You got the power. They don't. You got the Holy Ghost living in you. They don't. You're the anointed of God. They're not. God's calling our Savior's church to greater things. We're going to plant more churches because we're called to greater things. We're not called to just be in Eunice and Jennings. We're called to take this whole region. It's ours. God's given it to us. And he said, you got to work your tail off. You know how our Savior's church got started? In a 15-passenger van, driving back and forth from Broussard to Jennings. Every Sunday, packing the the sound equipment, all the stuff they needed to, to to do, they were meeting in the hotel room at the Holiday Inn. Children's church was in a hotel room. Get you some of that. I even let my kids go in there. It was God. That wouldn't happen today. 
That's how our Savior's Church got started. Then we did a campaign to raise up money to buy a building with cash. In, in I think it was six or seven weeks, they raised over a hundred and something thousand dollars and bought the place they had with cash. And then they, were, they, they had their money together and they were getting ready to do an addition. And God said, no, go plant in Eunice. So we came to Eunice. After church every Sunday, a group of us came to Eunice on Sunday nights and met at people's houses. Some of the weirdest places. We met in a beauty shop one time. We had all these women on the wall. And you're like, dear Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to be anointed. But we labored and we worked and we did what God told us to do. Right? Why? Because we're going on to greater things. And we're getting better at it. When we go to Crowley, it's going to be better than when we came to Eunice. And those of you that helped start Eunice, amen. You know, people have accused us of being all about the numbers from time to time. We had a guy here one time, we made him an usher. And he could not wrap his head around the fact that when we take up the tithe and the offering and the ushers go and count it, that they actually send me a text message with the attendance of the church and the amount of tithe that came in that Sunday. Why do they need that? What's up? What's up? What, why they got to know right now? Why it's got? Why I can't send it tomorrow? Number one, because I said I wanted it today. Right? So people say, oh man, y'all all about the numbers. And you know what I got to say to that? You're dead going right. We're all about the numbers. We're all about the number of people that's going to heaven instead of hell. We're all about the number of people we can reach. We're all about the number of teenagers that get saved and sanctified and delivered from drugs or a life that they could go into. And they get launched into a ministry at a young age. We're all about children. They get to get the gospel preached to them every Sunday morning and every chance we get. We're into the numbers, baby. We're also into the numbers of people that are tithing in the church because that's an act of obedience. It's part of you being healthy. Right? For some of you, that's uncomfortable. I don't care. Because I'm good. Now I'm worried about the church. Are we financially healthy? I'm worried about the number of people in this church that tithe. Can I be honest with you? I'm not satisfied. Is it because I want more money? Heck no. I want you to be healthy. I want you to obey God. If you got to start with a penny, start with a penny. But we're all into the numbers. I'm into the numbers of leaders we raise up. To, that we send out to go plant the next churches. Are you with me? That's why I come here every Wednesday night and have class and raise up leaders and invest my time. That's why I go to people's houses at 9 o'clock at night when their marriage is breaking down. Right? I'm interested in the number of healthy marriages in this church. Because that's a great testimony. Amen? We're all about the numbers. Guilty as charged. We're all about every person. Because every person has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters. I'm about every one of you. And your story. Because it matters. Amen. This church ain't going to be built on my back. It's going to be built on your back. God's going to use your story. Not just Pastor Jamie's story. If that was the case, I'd have this super incredible testimony of how I was on my deathbed and God resurrected me from the dead. Something. 
And that would just draw people to God. But that's not the truth. He's going to build it on your back. Amen. Amen. Go with me to 2 Kings and I'm going to start to bring this thing to an end. The, 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 church, the, the children of Israel were divided into two kingdoms. The north was called, the, was called Israel and the south was called Judah. And Israel comes up one day. The king of Israel comes up and he says to the king of Judah and to the king of Edom, he says, I want you to join with me. We're going to go and defeat Moab because Moab quit tithing. You see, the previous king of Israel had Moab in a position where they had to give 100,000 lambs and 100,000 uh, pieces of wool from rams every year, okay, as a tithe or an offering to Israel. And when the new king of Israel took over, they quit, okay? So the king of Israel says, hey, Judah, you join me. Edom, you join me. We're going to go and we're going to attack Moab. So that's where we pick the story up in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 9 to 14. So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for themselves or for the animals with them. What? exclaimed the king of Israel. Has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? But Jehoshaphat asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha Son of, of Shaphat is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do we have to do with each other? Go to your false prophets and other fathers and, of, of your fathers and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered, because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Elisha said, as surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not even look at your face, basically. Elisha was only going to pray and hear from God because of King Jehoshaphat. He had no respect for the king of Israel because he was worshiping false idols and false gods. Verse 15 says this, but now bring the harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha. Okay, let me, let me build the story for you here. They're stuck in this valley. They've been, they've been traveling for seven days. They have no water and they're getting ready to go to war. Now, how many of you try to do something dehydrated? It just don't work. That's how you get defeated. So they ask for Elijah. Elijah comes up. He says, I got no respect for you. I'm here only because Jehoshaphat. And he agrees to do it. He says, bring me the band. He says, bring me the band. And I imagine as a king, you go, the heck you want with the band? Right? I mean, what, what you going to do with a harpist? We're thirsty. He said, bring me the band. Number one. Faith is birthed in the presence of God. You need to write that down. Faith is birthed in the presence of God. Elijah said, bring me the band. Bring me the harpist. Why did he say that? Because he knew that they needed to stir something up in the spirit. Are you with me? They needed to get their worship on. They were dehydrated. They were already defeated in the flesh. And he said, bring in the harpist because we need, to, we need to stir up the presence of God. We need to get the spirit of God moving in this place 
so that we can get re-energized and recharged to go out into battle. Right? So it sounded a lot like this. You notice I'm preaching a little better with the piano playing, right? I'm stirring up something. Let me tell you, there's times in my life where I got to just turn on a little music. Because honestly, there's times that I just don't feel like being with God. Right? So I got to put a little music on and sing to myself. Because most of you don't want to hear me sing. But I got to stir something up. Right? Faith is birthed in the presence of God. That's good. Now, some of you, your house sounds like this. And some of you, your house sounds like that. And you're going, where's the presence of God? When, when it's quiet, you're not doing anything to stir up the presence, right? But instead, you're putting on some honky-tonk music and wondering where the presence of God is. Come on. Some of you. (laughs) Some of you listen to these nasty songs on the radio. And then you want to wonder where the presence of God is. Number one, he ain't listening to that crap. I know, baby, I shouldn't have said that. It's not rap music. It's crap music. Elisha, being a righteous and holy man, said, bring the harpist. Let's stir up something here. Let's see if we can get the presence of God in this place. Right? You ain't going to get it with country music. Come on. You ain't going to get it with the rap music. You ain't going to get it with no rock and roll. You got to put on something good. And you got to stir up something in your heart. And listen to me, men. This is a very manly thing to do. King David did it out in the field when he was watching over his daddy's sheep. He danced with his harp and then turned around and slayed a giant. I'm sorry, but it don't get no more manly than that. So don't don't tune out on me right now because I'm talking about worship. As a man of the house, you need to be the one leading the worship. We had a little bonfire last night and we were eating pizza and uh, ate everything outside and tried to avoid the mosquitoes. And, and my kids, they're all there sitting there and then they start singing, Kumbaya, my Lord. And they, they were just kind of cutting up. So I sat down, I joined in with them. I threw in a couple extra verses and we just had us a good little honky tonk in the Lord. I mean, it was good. We just sang. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes I turn the stinking TV off and put some worship music on and stir some things up. And I dance around the house. Right? I'll grab the kids. We'll go to town. Man, we're in the house. We're getting down. You just make sure the blinds are closed. And nobody's on their way over. But faith is birthed in the presence of God. Amen? Number two, faith goes beyond inspiration into participation. God wants you to do something. He wants to bring you alongside of him. Are you with me? God wants you to join in the journey. Some of us have spent all of our lives saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And never see anything change because you ain't doing nothing about it. 
Right? When God wanted to part the Red Sea, what did he tell Moses to do? Put your shaft in the water. When it staff. When, when he wanted to cross the Jordan, what did he say? Put your staff in the water. When the blind man wanted to be healed, stop laughing. He said, I got tongue twisters this morning. When the blind man needed to be healed, the Lord Yeah, boy. Y'all something else. Man can't make a mistake around here. When the blind man wanted to be healed, the Lord said, what? Go wash yourself in the river. God wants you to come alongside. He wants you to participate. You need to, you need to turn on a little worship music, stir up the spirit of God, but then you need to do something with that. Once you get inspired, you need to participate. Are you with me? You can't just sit back and say, Lord, please help me. Lord, please help me. Lord, please. And nothing ever changed. And then what happens? You turn around and get mad at God. And he goes, what I do? God wants to get you involved first. We planted this church by digging ditches in the spirit. God said, go to Eunice. We came on my gas bill. We came in my F-250 crew cab, four-wheel drive long bed. Well, he's going to dig some ditches, baby. You don't go to another city in a Chevrolet. And don't you dare. Not, I... <laughs> you better hold that finger. The Lord's going to knock it off. He wants you so badly. We worked hard to, to, to give you what you see today. Let me tell you something. Planting two churches in small cities like this isn't easy. It's a lot, a lot of work. Jennifer and I were talking this week about how many whacked out churches are in town. How many church hurt people are in town? It's almost like when you go to the city, can I kind of, can I kind of like see your resume at churches so I know what I'm up against? Can I be honest with you? We spent more time healing people from church wounds than we did actually reaching the lost. People with no covering, just doing stupid things. The Lord said, I want you to join in with me. I'm not just going to sit back and do it. Right? Faith goes from inspiration to participation. Second Kings 3.16. And he said, this is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches. So they're getting ready to go to battle and the Lord wants them to bring out the worship team and start digging ditches. Huh? That goes against all conventional wisdom, right? I mean, we need our energy. We got to go kill somebody. I can't, I ain't got time to be digging no ditches. Right? Some of you say to the Lord every day, Lord, I ain't got time for no ditches. I'm struggling here, Lord. Dig a ditch, son. What you mean dig a ditch? What the heck's a ditch going to do for me? You know what it did for them? It made a way for the water to get to them. It made a way for the resources of God to get to them. Come on. It made a path for, for God's restoring power to get to them. Dig a ditch, he said. Man, golly, man. This God we serve is weird, man. We're about to go. Anybody see the Moabites coming? 
Man, come on, man. Lord got me digging ditches. Golly. What the heck? It's stupid. That's what I would be saying. Can't believe digging a stinking ditch. Can't y'all play another song? Tired of that song. Come on, that's how we act. Right? But the Lord said, dig ditches. Number three, faith continues regardless of what you see. Second Kings 3, 17, 18 says this. For this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind or rain. Yet this valley will be filled with water. And your cattle and your animals will drink. Watch this. This is an easy thing for the Lord. Oh, y'all need a little water? I ain't gonna break a sweat on that one. That's an easy thing. Your cattle's gonna have water. So are the rest of your animals. Just dig me a few ditches. Get busy with me. Let's do this together. You know, instead of that being a problem, that needs to be a privilege. That the God of the universe would allow me to participate with him. So what if I start out as the gopher? You go for this, you go for that, you go for there, you go for here. So what if you start out as the gopher? Be the best daggone gopher you can be. Join in the journey with him. And watch him do something with what you can't see. Because what you, you can see is earthly. What you can't see is supernatural. And God works in the supernatural. He loves to bring things that you didn't see coming. Just so you could say, that was God. He loves to do things or make a way where there is no way. Just so you can say, that's God. Amen. Amen. He loves to work in the unseen. Faith continues regardless of what is seen. You see, Elisha wasn't freaking out. Who was freaking out? The king's. Why were the kings freaking out? Because they couldn't see the way out. They couldn't see how they could win a battle with no water. They couldn't even see how they could get to water. And it's funny that they went to a righteous man and said this. Can you ask God for us for a way out? And Elijah agrees. And he does it God's way. He says, bring the harpist. Get your shovels. Start digging some ditches. God's about to do something, boys. God's about to do something, boys. Y'all just get ready. God's about to do something. 
God's about to do something in your life. He's about to do something with your life. He wants you to live beyond yourself. And he wants you to know that he's calling you out to greater things. And he said this at the end of that verse. And after he said, I'll have water for your cows. I'll have water for your other animals. And oh, by the way, I'll go ahead and defeat Moab for you. I'll still give you victory, Israel, even though you're worshiping false gods. Oh, that takes you all the way back to the first legacy stopper of a wrong view of self. Rewind the tape. Just because you blow it, just because you slip, just because you can't get past that addiction doesn't mean he doesn't love you. Just because you fall doesn't mean he's not there to help you pick you, to pick you back up. Just because Israel was worshiping false gods didn't mean that God said, nope, nope, I ain't doing it. You see, that's the incredible thing about God is that he loves us in our stupidity. Come on. He loves us when we slip and fall. He loves me when I sneak off to the store and get my own gallon of Bluebell. Knowing good and well, I don't need it. Trying to eat it before I got home. Now, I've never done that. That's an honest statement. I've never done that. Not with the half gallon, the pint size. Just honest. Just being honest. He's calling us to greater things. I guess the question is, is do you want to go? Are you willing to dig a few ditches and get the band out? Men, are you willing to lead your family as the head and not the tail? Are you willing to say, you know what? Shut the stupid TV off. Let's put a little music on. We need a little victory in this house. Men, are you willing to stand up when your wife's mad at you, the kids are mad at you, and the dog don't even want to look at you? Are you mad enough to say, you know what? I blew it. But we ain't going to stay here. I'm going to fix it. And turn around and say, God, I need some help because I'm a stubborn man. I'm tet dur, Lord. Help me. What do you want me to do? You want me to go get on my knees in front of my family? Well, Lord, that's a sign of weakness. Exactly, son. It's a sign of weakness. Go and repent to your family. Are you willing to go call your family into the living room and get on your knees? <laughs> Dead going shovel. I'm breaking out in hives, just holding this thing. To kneel down in front of your family and say, please forgive me. Are you willing to, to ask your family to turn around and pray for you? Have you ever grabbed one of your kids that you lost it on and said, would you please pray for me? Are you willing to do that? Because let me tell you something. When you do that, you go on to greater things. I blow it all the time. Sometimes I don't want to dig ditches. Sometimes I don't feel like it. Sometimes I'm like, no, God, we don't need to dig no ditches. We, let's do it this way. Every time I dig a ditch, he fills it up. Every time I dig a ditch, he fills it up. 
Every time I give him time, he's there. Whether I feel him or not. You see, I wrestled with God last night. Studying this message, I went, Lord, I don't feel like I'm, I'm close to you like we used to be. Because I used to sit down and just have hours in the word and revelation and all these things. And honestly, that just hadn't been happening in my life lately. I'll study my Bible. I'm still pursuing Christ. I'm, don't worry, I'm not backslidden. But it's not like it used to be. You follow me? And so last night I wanted to cry. Just whine to God. I don't feel like you're close to me anymore. He said, hey, I'm right here. Doesn't mean we got to keep doing it the same way. Let's go on to greater things. How about instead of you sitting down in your quiet place, And getting this super spiritual, emotional time with me. How about when you're at the grocery store? You just listen for my voice and my presence. And I'll show you a poor little lady that can only buy a loaf of bread and a thing of eggs. And you remember that 20 I put in your wallet? Go ahead and give it to her until I get the rest of what you wanted. How about we go that way for a little while? I mean, I like meeting you in your quiet place, but how about we get out of that? Right? Because why? That's predictable. Nothing wrong with a quiet place, but it's predictable. And it can get quite boring. Let's do something different. My challenge to you this morning is to step out into greater things. Whatever that is that God's saying to you. Amen? Man, if God says to do something crazy in your family, man, do it. Can you stand up with me this morning? <clears throat> so what are the things that get in the way? A wrong view of self, a wrong view of other people, and a wrong view of God. And how do we, how do we grow in faith? Faith is birth in God's presence. Faith goes beyond inspiration in the participation. God wants you to join in first. And then lastly, faith continues regardless of what is seen. Let me tell you something. Some of you this morning, you're on the right track. You're clocking right alongside of God. You're right there in the moment. I mean, you're right on the money. Some of you are there this morning, but you're getting tired and you're at the verge of giving up. Because you've been doing the same thing over and over and over again. Let me tell you something this morning from the Lord. Your ditches are almost done. Just keep digging. He's about to break through in your life. Just keep going. Don't give up. Don't give up. Some of you have been pouring your life out into people and you're seeing no fruit. He's saying to you this morning, don't give up. You're in the right place. Don't wonder if you're making a mistake. Just keep on going, baby. Just keep on going. Amen? Open your hands up. Get ready to receive. Lord, we bless you this morning. Lord, I think you've called us to dig ditches. You've you've given us the privilege and the honor and the, the ability to come and Join along with you. Lord, thank you that you keep it interesting and make us dig ditches with the worship team playing. I don't understand it, but I appreciate it. Help us, Lord. 
Help us to live beyond ourselves. Help us to know that you're calling us to greater things. Greater things, Lord. You haven't called us to suck air, to live an ordinary life. You've called us to greater things. Father, help us to search for the greater things that you've called us to. Help us to live a life that is worthy of the calling you've placed upon us. Lord, help us, Father. We need your help. We're slipping. We're falling. The ground's slippery. Lord, give us traction. Help us to keep going. Father, for the ones that are here today and they're right on course, but they feel like giving up and they're tired. Lord, just just pick them up with your righteous right hand and keep them going. Breathe some encouragement upon them today, Lord. Give us the ability to finish, Father, and to leave the legacy that you've called us to leave. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. And you say amen.